0: Good morning everyone. It's my privilege this morning to continue with our relationship series, which we call Love is Friendship Set on Fire. So I wanna I wanna share with you with you a few things this morning that I experienced over a period of 17 years being involved with with my husband. So I have two candles here. This is my husband. This is me. Okay. We are married, so. This little flame as well so there's not only a friendship this little flame as well there's my husband there's me and as I say I experienced many things over the last 17 years that that could very easily quench this little flame and we were we were dating slash engaged for about two and a half we were married now, we're married now for fourteen and a half years, so it comes to seventeen. And I can honestly say that if it wasn't for God being the glue between us, if it wasn't for God being the center of our marriage, I don't think this flame would have survived. I don't think this flame would have would have still existed in our marriage. And I'm sure all of you have, have experienced, you know, when you're married, especially that there's little flame, and we live happily ever after. And then, all of a sudden, it's like, don't touch me. Okay? Have you ever experienced that? Okay, the people who haven't experienced that, maybe you will sometime in your life. Let's just light them again. There you go. All right. It only happens like once every five years. Okay, let it, don't touch me. <laughs> so, I, I want to share with you this morning... The four F's, we we talk about friendship, we talk about fire in a friendship. I want to share with you this morning an additional four F's in a marriage relationship that could could either strengthen these flames or it could quench them. And whether you are married this morning, whether you are not married, it will be equally important. I'm so thankful for all the messages that I've heard on marriage and on relationships before I got married you know I, I want to I want you to see it as a investment you 're going to make in your marriage account before you get married and it 's going to earn interest okay so this is why it's so it's so valuable to sit in a, in a service or hear a message on relationships or marriage even when you 're not married I, I I cannot emphasize the you know just the I, I, i'm I received so much, I received so much in a season where I was not married from people who are married and from messages. So let's talk about the four the four F's. I want to share with you the first one. Let's talk about finances. It's it's very easy to well, relatively easy to do your finances when you are not married. But when you when you enter into a relationship when, when there's a ring on your finger, and when you need to start doing these kind of things together, it's a whole different ballgame. And I remember the biggest shock of my life when I got married was how much money a man spends on food. <laughs> food was a very, very low priority on my budget list. When before I got married, I would rather spend money on things I could keep and see. And not something that just disappear, in, in my opinion. So I had to adjust my whole mindset when it, when it, when it came to the, the food item on our budget. And I just, we, we had to learn. We literally had to learn to make this work. And to, to make this not only work, but to make this enjoyable. Doing our finances together. So I just want to share with you a few things that we, we have learned and what, that we still do as a married couple that really brings so much peace into this area of our marriage so first of all it's not it's not my money and it's not my husband's money but it's our money and for some people it's very easy to grasp that that concept for some people it's very difficult i mean i when 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 we first got married, Andre was still studying. He was finishing his master's in, in engineering. And I, I was doing my third-year articles at an auditing firm. So we had to survive on my salary. And we were also at that stage starting to pay off certain of, of, his, of his study debt. And I remember his mom said to me, "Sonika, you must just keep track of all this money, all, all these payments that you pay back on behalf ...of Andre because he must pay it back one day. And, you know, I, I realized, you know, that we, we live in two different worlds. I had to explain to my mother-in-law, Mom, this is not really working like that in our relationship. And I, I experienced so many of my colleagues in, in that season just being so... It, it was just two different, two different worlds. You know, where, where the, one, the one guy who worked with me, he, he was engaged... And they were building a house, and he shared with me how upset he was about something that, that happened between him and his fiancée. He was building his house, and he had the brainwave to put energy-saving lights all over the the house. And then his fiance offered to pay the electricity bill once they are married. So he said to me, Sonica, this is so unfair, you know, I had this... This, this plan to save electricity, and now she offered to pay that, that part of, of, of our expenses. And I could just once again see, you know, something so small, but it's already causing stress. It's already causing him to be upset with his fiance, and they're not even married yet. And I think for, for us, it changed so much when When we made the decision it 's not my money it 's not your money and I know for for many of us the, there 's not a golden rule there 's just not just one thing that 's going to make this work and I know many people do I pay this, you pay this, but we have just seen the the unity that it brings when you say it 's not my money it 's not your money, but it 's our money and we do we do have each have an allowance, so it 's not as if we need to ask each other for money we do in the budget just Give each other uh, an allowance, so then that money we don't have to talk about, we don't have to ask permission to spend. But the principle of having one pot is it, it, it leads to so much unity. So this is just one thing that that we're doing that that makes the the this little flame keep burning in our in our marriage, and. Something that I also learned from a very, very early stage in my marriage is if the one party earns more than the other one, please do not use that to manipulate your partner. When, when I mean, as I say, Andre was still studying when we got married, so I was doing my articles, and for, for a big part of our marriage together, I earned more than him. Now, praise God, he was one of those people who not intimidated by that at all. He saw it as a benefit, you know. Marrying a, a girl who can, who can bring in some money. But I know for many guys, it's, it's quite a big thing. And I just want to encourage you not to be insecure, not to let that intimidate you. But I also want to ask, especially the ladies, if you are in the position where you earn more than your husband, never ever to use that as a tool to manipulate and to control. Because that also happens. Or the other way around, it can, it can happen... Um, that the, the the man earns more, the husband and he uses that as a tool to control or to to manipulate. I remember the the article clerks working with me just when we got engaged, they said to me, No, Sonica, how is this gonna work now? You know, are you not gonna give Andre pocket money? You know, they were trying to figure out they knew he was still studying and they knew I was working. And I said to them, No, 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 no. It's not you know, whatever is mine is his, whatever is, his, is mine Again I could see that look, you know. Are you from a different planet or what? They they even asked me, don't you have a twin sister that they can marry? Because this sounds like a very good deal, you know. <laughs> this girl, no, whatever's mine is. But I've just seen the the just what he what he did to our relationship when I made the decision because I had the income and and I really had to trust God for wisdom because I knew that he needed access to money at, at at any moment. He can't ask me for money. I mean he's gonna be the the head of our home. He can't ask me for money. And God just led me in a very practical way. I mean I didn't even have a credit card at that stage. We and I, I got one that we used as a debit card, but I got a secondary one and he had access to money at all time, at any stage, and he didn't have to ask me and I just I just realized that I'm so thankful that God helped me to have that wisdom very early in our marriage because I could have so easily, I could have so easily just little, you know, quenched that little flame by manipulating him, by forcing him to ask me for money. You know, in a season where I was the breadwinner and in a season where I earned more money than him. So I just want to encourage you, never, ever use money to manipulate, especially if you are the, the, the person who earns more. Amen. Amen. Some wives are not interested in, in the in the finances. I, I studied I studied uh, accounting, so in our household I do the budget and I do all the admin around it which which I enjoy. Sorry to admit that. <laughs> it's actually quite quite fun for me to be involved. But some some ladies are not interested or maybe the the husband is not interested really but it's so so important for both parties to be involved it's so important for both parties to actually know what's going on I, I read a I read a book years ago it's just a f- fiction but it was about this this man who was quite wealthy and his, his wife could just you know swipe the cards and buy whatever she she wanted and then he started battling in his business, and he was too scared. He couldn't tell his wife that his business is battling, and she just kept on spending. And the end result, it's, it's not factual, okay, so it's not, not factual, but the end the result is that he committed suicide because he couldn't get it over his heart to tell his wife that she can't spend, as, as usual. Now, that is, that is an extreme example but I think so often because the one party is not involved or e- either the wife or the husband doesn't fully know what's going on, it can cause so much stress because you, 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 there's, not, there's not a shared burden. And ultimately, God is our provider, amen? So we shouldn't actually ever carry a burden. But you are one. You are one in your marriage. So even if you're not really interested, Make sure, or even if your wife is not interested, make sure that she knows what's going on. Make sure that, that she knows exactly what's going on in the finances or the other way around. And then when it comes to, to giving money away or big spending, what we've also learned is just that there, there must be unity. There must be unity. There must be communication. Even if God speaks... And I think that is sometimes the difficult one, you know, where the one party feels, but, but I feel God said to me I must give 10,000 rand away. Now, remember, if you are, if you are walking as, a, as a, a, a guy or a girl who's not yet married, you can, you can respond to that, that thing in your heart immediately. However, if you are married, you have to take into consideration your spouse. You can't just say, God, God told me I must do this, and now you do it without the peace and the, and the unity from, from your spouse. So I just want to encourage you, even when it comes to spending, we can never, when, when we are married, just go into a direction and justify it by, God has spoken to me. Yes, and we have to be obedient to the Lord. Amen? I mean, we, uh, um, I'm just so inspired by the way Andre is obedient to God. You know, his, he, his obedience to God is, is throughout all the years that we've been married so encouraging to me. But he has learned to be obedient to God and to respect me. And I can't tell you how much safety that brought into our relationship. You know, where he, he's realized that whenever God speaks to him, if it is really God, God will speak to me as well. Or God will at least bring peace to my heart because I, I also have a relationship with God. So I just want to encourage all of you, the the spiritual giants, I mean, and that's all of you. If God speaks to you, make sure that you take into account your spouse, that you ask Esau her opinion, and that you wait for them to have peace and unity and, and unity in the in the decision as well. Something that, that's also very powerful for us is to just pray together. If, if you pray together in this, in this area of your, of your marriage, especially for the lady, it brings so much peace. It brings so much freedom. So I want to encourage you, especially if you're going through a difficult time financially, to not only speak to God about it by yourself, but to actually pray together about it together. Because there, there were seasons when, especially when we moved to East and where, where there was a lot of financial uncertainty, and for, for us, and I would often say to Andre, "Can we please pray together?" Then he would tell me, "Oh, but he's praying about it all the time." But then I didn't, I didn't know about it. You know, you wouldn't necessarily know if your spouse is praying about something specific, and it it, it brings so much peace and safety especially for the women if you can pray about it together amen the area of finances is so it is it is so fragile it is such a fragile area that that you know we need to trust god to keep this flame alive therefore we have to when it comes to finances there must be certain things in place it can't be just all Vague and, and you never talk about it. You must actually communicate as much as you can. I mean, to keep this, these two little flames alive. Okay, that's finances. Let's talk about familiar, familiarity. Remember, I'm I'm speaking about four things that could could either strengthen this little flame, or it could quench it altogether. Okay, and it's it's often the small things in our marriages that lead to divorce. I mean, you've, you've heard that, you've maybe experienced that. It's not necessarily the big things. It's, there's all the small you know, all the small yuckelsies. But it, it comes and it interferes and it, it brings turmoil on a daily basis. And it's the, it's those things can actually steal from us. Let's talk about familiarity. When we forget that our spouse is a gift from the Lord, when we forget that our spouse is a gift from the Lord and should be treated with the utmost respect and care. We become familiar. What does that mean? We take each other for granted. Oh, it's just my husband. Oh, it's just my wife, you know. I know her for 30 years. Yuck, Yo, you know. I- instead of seeing the person as a gift that should be treated with the utmost respect and care, we become familiar. And that kills any relationship, really. Familiarity can kill any relationship, but especially a marriage relationship. So let me speak to the wives first. If you are a married women, I'm going to take you to a scripture, 1 Peter 3, verse 1, in the New Living Translation. It says, in the same way, wives must accept the authority. You wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. You wives must accept the authority of your husband's wives. Your husband is the king of your home. (laughs) This is settled in our home, eh? This is settled in our home. And we have to treat our husbands like a king. I want you to listen carefully now. We have to treat our husbands like the king, even if he doesn't act like the king. And that is the difficult part. And this is the part that gets many, many married women upset. Because surely Sonika, he must act like a king, and then I'll treat him like the king. But you see, the beauty of this whole thing is, the more we treat them like the king, even when they don't act like the king, the more they will start acting like the king. Amen? This is, this is the truth, and this is the reality. And I know it, we often feel as if we lose power. You know, when we give the minister of decisions, like Rosalda taught us last week, beautifully. You know, the man is the minister of decisions, the husband. The lady is the minister of second opinions. <laughs> I'll give Rosalda one day to teach you about all these things, okay? She's the expert in our congregation, really but we do not lose power we gain power when we treat our husband like the king like the minister of decisions because the more we do that the more he will be, be open for our opinion as the minister of second opinions the more we the more he will listen to us and the more he will respect and and do what we actually advise him and I just want to encourage you, if you're battling with this, if you're battling with this whole concept, please take it to God in prayer, because ultimately what what I've seen in my own life it's not really about me and my husband. This is about me and God. This is is about me trusting the Lord for things that are important to me, which means I don't have to control, I don't have to manipulate, I don't have to, to fight, for what is important to me, because God really knows what is important to me. And if I play this game of marriage, according to God's rules, he will fight for me. And I see that over and over and over. If I position myself in a safe place, where I say my, my husband is the king, whether he act like the king or not, that's not the, it's not what it's all about, then God says, I will fight for her. I will make her dreams come true. Because I position myself in a safe place. So if you're battling with this, and I know it's, it, there's, there's often this battle in our hearts. Because, Lord, what about us? And what about me, God? I tell you, God will fight for you the moment you position yourself in that safe place. We had a, we had a meeting the other night at our house. And Vian was helping me making coffee for a couple of guys. And... When we made the coffee and Vian was taking it to the to the man, he said to me, Mommy, I'm taking this first cup for Daddy because he is the king. <laughs> it was so beautiful to me. And I just realized he, he gets it. You know, we often have this discussion, Mommy, why can Daddy do this? Why, why, why? Because Daddy is the king. And he knows one day he's going to be a king of his home. He likes reminding Andre that he's that Jesus is the ultimate king, you know. (laughs) He likes reminding Andre that he must just remember (laughs) that he's not the king of kings. But it is so beautiful for me to see my six-year-old boy getting this, you know. Yes, there's rules in the house, but when you are the king, you have certain privileges in the house because you are the king. And one day he's going to be a king of his home, and he will have certain privileges. But it has to settle in the wife and in the mom's heart. And the, the, the power of teaching your children that your husband is the king. I mean, it is, it's just so incredible to see them grow up and just to know that daddy is the king of our home. So I want to encourage you. Let's live it. Let's not only believe it, but let's live it in our homes. Let's speak to the husbands. Speak to the husbands. 1 Peter 3, 7. The New Living Translations. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Now, one of the biggest needs for a woman is to be understood. Now, I know all the men go, oh, goodness. They don't even understand themselves. How do you expect me to understand them? True. True granted. You know, let's give you that, that, that argument. It, it does work from time to time. But let's just go back to the scripture. It says, or let's, let me rather say, it doesn't say, understand your wife. Okay, you agree with me? You can go check in all the translations. It doesn't say, understand your wife. It says, treat your wife with understanding. Now, this is beautiful. Because God does actually not expect you to understand her okay There's, it's two worlds it's it's male, female, God made us so differently we need him, we need him to just understand a small portion of each other amen but what 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 the Bible does say is treat your wife with understanding, which means the 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 more you treat her with understanding, the more you listen, the more you give her the benefit of the doubt, the more you say, okay, explain to me again, why do you feel like that? The more you put yourself in her shoes, I guarantee you, the more you will understand her. So it's not about understanding her, it's about treating her with understanding. And maybe you think, oh, no, no, this also seems really good. Do you know Sonica, how complicated my wife is? Do you know that even treating her with understanding is like higher grade maths? You know what? The, the best investment you can make in your marriage is to study your wife. I know you think you know your wife. But you know, to study her. To look at her from another angle, you know. And to look again. You know, all of you, you guys are clever. You're intelligent. You all studied some kind of degree. I'm sure, or you have some kind of job that you, that you need to think, you need to study something. What if you did engineering maths at varsity and said, oh, it's so complicated, Sonica, you don't understand how complicated it is. I will never understand it. He didn't have that attitude. He said, I'm going to study. I'm going to study again. I'm going to study again. I'm going to get a grip on this, on this thing. Now, what about your wife? What if you have the same... The same guts, you know, when it comes to any kind of problem. Not that your wife is a problem you have to fix. <laughs> you must study her, okay? There's a big difference. But I just I want to encourage you as men, study your wife. Treat her with understanding. Don't just say, I don't understand, I'll never understand her. Treat her with understanding. Do whatever it takes to treat her in such a way that you, you draw things out of her that start making sense to you. The more you do that, the more you will understand her, and the more she will flourish. So if we treat you as the king, our biggest need is to, to be understood, or not necessarily even to be understood, to be treated with understanding. It makes such a world's difference for me. You know, sometimes we don't even agree you know, when, when we need to talk through something, we don't even say, I agree with you or he agrees with me. It's just, okay, I understand your points. I understand why you say that. I understand why you feel like that. And I don't feel like that, but I understand why you do. And it makes the world's difference. Okay, so do we have a deal, guys? Men, do you have a deal? Don't try to understand. Just say, okay, God, help me to treat her. With understanding. And ladies, do we have a deal that your husband is the king? Amen. We're going to treat them like the king. We're going to teach our children that they are the king of our homes. And I tell you, when that settles in your own heart, when you start teaching your children, you know, they remind you that daddy is the king. (laughs) You can't get out of it anymore. But it makes, it, it brings so much order in your home. I can't tell you just to make up your mind about it. So I just want to encourage you, let's walk. Let's walk in this radical truth, but it will transform your home. Amen? Okay, let's talk about faithfulness, faithfulness, unfaithfulness. I'm going to take you to a scripture in Malachi 2, verse 15 to 16. In the message translation, it says, God, not you, made marriage. Surprise, surprise. You know, we think we are very clever. Mankind, in general, we think we're very clever. But ultimately, God made marriage. And the reason why, why it often doesn't work is we played it according to our own rules. We, we we really try to make it work according to our own perceptions and our own ideas. But it says, God, not you, made marriage. His Spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage it's beautiful the smallest details of marriage so guard the spirit of marriage within you guard the spirit of marriage within you don't cheat on your spouse watch yourselves don't let your guard down and don't cheat now i know many of us really think that when it comes to cheating or being unfaithful it's adultery But cheating and and washing yourselves, it starts long before there's adultery involved. Long, long, long before adultery is involved. If you find yourself as a married person that your heart starts connecting to somebody of the opposite gender and it's not your spouse, if you if you start feeling your heart starts connecting, we have to watch ourselves. We have to watch ourselves. We can't have, I'm going to speak straight now, we can't have electronic friendships with people of the opposite gender if you are married. And I know it seems very innocent, WhatsApping, emailing, maybe a coffee. Sonika is just a friend. I know, but he's not going to stay there. And I've spoken to too many people over the last many, many, many years, where it starts with WhatsApp once, and then WhatsApp four times a week. And then you add a little heart. And then you think, oh, let me let me quickly delete this. Because what if my husband sees this little message with a heart? It's just a friend, really. But, I mean, my husband shouldn't see it. You start hiding things. And before you realize it, you really wish you could have been married to the other person. You really start despising your husband. You really think, oh, why did I marry him? I surely made a mistake. And before you realize... You, in a full-on emotional affair, and many people think it's very innocent, but it's not. It's not. And this is why the scripture is, is so powerful that it says, God, the spirit of marriage within you. What does it mean? We need to protect it. We need to be protective over the spirit of marriage, over what God has given us. We must protect it. We must value it. We must ensure it. We must do whatever it takes to keep it safe. Which means we, we must have boundaries. We must have boundaries. And you must determine your own boundaries. You must determine your own boundaries. But I would, I would be very, very, very careful and very strict on myself to, to to message any man for just summer manet, you know. I message the guys when I want them to lead worship, okay, there you know, okay, if I message a guy, please can you lead worship and encounter one? <laughs> but anything more than work-related messages, you have to be careful and you have to guard that something which is called the spirit of marriage and put boundaries in place and and watch yourself and i 've just seen too many people getting into a very innocent friendship with the opposite sex, and then they 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 start drifting you know they start drifting they start drifting from their husband and sooner than later there 's no flame left they don't they say i don 't love my husband anymore. I made a mistake. I should have never got married to him. I should have married this other guy, but it started with a very innocent little friendship and this is why we need to have boundaries. Stricter boundaries rather than loose boundaries, okay? We have to have boundaries. We also must live in a place... Let's just light my flame again. Okay, stand close to my husband. There I go. Okay. We must live in a place where there's a healthy fear of the author of marriage. Who is the author of marriage? It's God. Amen? God, not us, made marriage. So, I really want to encourage you, I want to urge you, if God speaks to you to let go of a relationship, if God speaks to you to let go, not even of a relationship, of a friendship with someone who's not your spouse, please listen to him. Please listen to the author of marriage. Don't argue. Don't justify. Don't say, God, it's just a friendship, Lord. If God speaks to you, please, I beg you, this morning, don't just ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to cultivate a a, a holy fear for the Author of Marriage, so that when He speaks to us, we immediately listen. We immediately say, "Okay, God, I I realize this is it. It it becomes more dangerous. I'm, I'm vulnerable. It becomes fragile. My heart is drifting from my husband. I'm listening, God. I'm listening. We must listen." To the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you are longing currently. If you are in a situation where your heart is longing for somebody who is not your husband. You have to bring it into the light. If you want to protect the the spirit of marriage within you. And if you want to stay faithful to your spouse. You have to bring it into the light. Which means you have to speak to somebody. You have to pray together. And you have to trust the Lord to break this this hold or this emotional connection to somebody else so please speak to somebody speak to somebody, speak to somebody that you trust and pray together bring it into the light sooner than later sooner than later speak and bring it into the light and then if it's really has come to a place where you feel I've made a mistake I should have married that person, my husband is with nothing. Why did I marry him? And, and the danger is it can, you, your heart can very easily become like that when you connect to somebody else. You have to break all communication. You have to break all communication. I don't care how innocent it looks. I don't care what, what, the, what the situation is from the other person's side. It's all about your heart. It's all about your heart and whether you are connected to somebody else or not. So boundaries... Please listen if God speaks to you. Bring it into the light. Break all communication. And let me tell you, I think in the church, this is even sometimes a bigger danger. Because there's so many men that, that walk in the anointing and that, that, you know, God's anointing rests upon them. And it makes them very attractive. And I think that maybe this is sometimes where it's more dangerous for us women to connect to another man because we see them in church, we see them pray, we see them um, preach or lead worship or, you know, just do a ministry. and We think, wow, I wish my husband could be like that. And, it, I, I mean, and it's, a, it's a church community. So I just want to urge you to protect the spirit of marriage within you. Do whatever it takes to, to stay close and to keep your flame burning for your husband and your wife only. Amen? Do whatever it takes. Fighting. Let's talk about fighting. I know you never fight, eh? My husband and I fight once every five years. It's always, you know... No. a lie. (laughs) We often, in the last 17 years, have had to work through things. And it will come. It will come, the happily ever after. It involves... Conflicts, okay? The happily ever after involves conflict. It's not bad necessarily, but it is how we're going to handle that situation that could be bad. You are going to work through things. You are going to disagree. I know in the beginning you agree on everything, eh? You agree on blue is my favorite color. Yes, blue is my favorite color too. I like mint ice cream. Oh, <gasps> Me too. You know, it's just like, there's just agreement. There's just agreement. Oh, I watch rugby. Oh, me too. You don't understand anything, but I'm watching rugby. It is just the, the, the more you get to know each other, the more you realize we actually don't agree on everything. And it's those disagreements. I mean, wait until you have children. I think the most things that Andre and I, or from my side, I think the most disagreements we've ever had was once. Our son was born because I don't really know what to do, he doesn't really want know what to do either, but we both have an opinion and we're both trying. And and it's so easy to, to just have a different opinion on how to raise your children and you need to wrestle and talk through it until you come to a place of unity. So conflict isn't bad. I mean, I'm preaching to myself because I don't I hate disagreeing with my husband, you know, I hate any kind of conflict or friction between us, it's the end of my world, I I really, really, I try to get out of the, well, we both of us, we really try to get it sorted as soon as possible, you know, we can't do the, I'm not talking to you for three days, hopefully nobody's doing that, but I've heard that sometimes, you know, people don't talk for three days, and I think I'm just going to (laughs) die, I won't survive it, so let me take you to a scripture in Ephesians 4, it's in the Amplified Translation. Ephesians 4:26, 27. It says, When angry, do not sin. It's a very interesting scripture. If it says, Be angry, but do not sin, it means ang- anger is not necessarily sin. Okay, think about that one for a moment. To, to feel anger, it's, it's not necessarily sin because it says, When angry, do not sin. Very interesting. Do not let ever let your wrath, your exasperation, your fear, your indignation last until the sun goes down. Now, let, let me give you a tip. If the sun goes down, you switch on the lights, okay? You keep the sun burning. <laughs> In your bedroom, oh, the sun is down, it's too late. No, 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 switch on your, your,
1: switch on your lights.
0: <laughs> and don't switch it off until you've, you've worked through it, okay? Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. The scripture is key in our relationships when it comes to conflict management. It's really, 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 really key and important. Let me just take you to another one. James 1 verse 19 to 20, also in the Amplified, it says, Understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man or woman be quick to hear a ready listener. So you're quick to listen. You're ready to treat her with understanding. Slow to speak. Slow to take offense and slow to get angry. Powerful. Let every man or woman be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and slow to get angry. This is really powerful. Now, if you combine, if we actually combine these two scriptures in any conflict situation, we're going to overcome. And the fruit is going to be amazing. There'll be so much good fruit coming from. When angry, do not sin, but be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to take offense, slow to be angry, and do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So the, the problem is if we do allow the sun go down, which means you do not really sort out the issue. You go to sleep and you wake up the next morning and you go on with life. When we do that, the next time when we have conflict, we do not fight about the isolated issue. We fight about the 20 previous issues that has never been resolved. And this is, the, this is the beauty of this scripture, if we can get it right, where you wrestle and you talk and you forgive and you pray again and you talk again until there's peace about the issue. And I'm not saying it will never come up again. We've had situations where we talk about the same thing over talk, fights, pray, cry, whatever you want to call it, over the same thing for years. But there's so many things that we never speak about anymore because it's dealt with. A, a bunch of things, like a whole bag full of things that we never talk about it anymore. I remember we had a when we were dating and, and in our early stages of marriage, whenever there was a formal dance... We dress up. It's a formal dance. It's supposed to be an awesome date with your, either your boyfriend or your fiancé or your husband. Every time, without exception, we would have a major fight at the dance for various silly reasons. Like, there's a nice song. I want to dance. Andre thinks, it's not a nice song. It's not going to work. I'm not dancing. Okay, One example. The other example, he wants to teach me all his fancy moves. You see, I ne- I didn't dance until I got to varsity. I was a beginner. I was a, a new, very new to this thing. So, also, which it, I was a bit more excited. He's been dancing since he was primary school. Okay, he's, he's the in our, in our peer group, he was like the best dancer. You know, the girls are like, oh, I wish Andre will ask me for a dance, <laughs> and I was the lucky one. Yes, got him. But there were there were a few girls in our group they were the ballet dancers you know I was not one of them. I was like I can't even like I don't even know where to start, but then they taught me but now Andre and I started dating he wants to teach me all his fancy moves but now you know in a big crowd and I feel everybody's watching me I can't get it right I feel insecure he's frustrated because she's insecure what's the problem <laughs> this is I'm talking now about 16 years ago eh? and my insecurities and primary, primarily my insecurities made us fight all the time over this issue. And also my, my desires and things I wanted him to be like when we go on a date. And oh, it was just a rollercoaster of every time. And, you know, we came to a point, it was time and time again, I said to God, Lord, I need to sort this out and I don't have any idea I'm so scared to go to a dance again. I don't know what to do. I want to, but I don't want to. And I fasted. I prayed. I, I, we prayed together. We, we made a deliberate effort to not leave it there. And we're still in the habit of when we go to any formal thing, we take hands in the car, we bind the spur of division. <laughs> and serious. We pray for unity, we say devil you 're not spoiling our evening, <laughs> so we we 're not in the defense we like we take authority you know <laughs> i mean it's like sixteen, seventeen years later, and I mean the last how many years i can 't remember when last we had a had a any kind of issue in in that environment because we've dealt with it, but it took. Time. That was one thing. It took time. It took prayer. It took fasting even from my side. I said, God, I'm fasting now because I need to deal with my insecurities. I need to deal with this. And God really honored. He honored what we have put in to from his side to show himself strong and to and to you know, I'm, I'm so confident now and bold. I mean, whenever Andre talks to somebody and it's a dance and I want to dance, I just go to him and say, sorry, I want to dance with my husband. And he's like, yes, of course, I'm there. <laughs> because that was also part of all, you know, my issues. He's, he's talking to somebody. It's important. He's networking. Now, I feel alone and I feel he doesn't care about me? And now I'm just like, oh, nonsense. I'm just going to go and interrupt the conversation and say, I'm dancing with my husband. You know, and it's just amazing how God, how God took something that was really messing with us. You know, the environment, the situation, our insecurities and he, he made it into something really beautiful and really powerful. So let me just take you quickly through a few things that really benefit us when we have a situation in our home. I want to encourage you to pick a good time to talk in the ideal world. In the ideal world, pick a good time when you're not too emotional, when you're not too worked up about the situation. You know, I often need to need to need to sit by myself and say, Okay, God help me to explain this to my husband. Because I don't really know how to explain it. You know, I'm just upset. or I'm just angry. And sometimes from the the man's side, you experience the same. You're just angry. You're just upset. You don't even know why. But you are angry. You know? And that is not a good time to talk. It's not a good time to talk. You need to actually formulate whatever you want to say. This is how it works with me. I need to be able to explain to my husband in a logical way why I am so upset. Just dumping all my emotions on him, it's actually not gonna help. So I need time, he needs time, and then we need to talk. We need to talk, and then when we talk, we have to avoid statements like, you always, or you never. Okay, so is it just me that knows those statements? You always, or you never. Um, it doesn't work, it doesn't, it doesn't resolve the conflict, it makes it worse we have to guard our mouths we have to think before you speak you see the moment something is out you can never take it back and that is the that is unfortunately the problem with conflict it's often not the issue that is the, that is bringing damage to the relationship it's the conflict management it's how you deal with a conflict because now you say things you didn't really mean you didn't Want to say, but it, it was out before you realized it, and now you're actually hurting your spouse even more. So we have to talk, but we have to voice it in such a way that is honorable and not bringing damage. We have to learn to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. Now, this is a very important one, because it's, remember, it's male, female. It's pink, and it's blue, okay? Don't try to change your husband into pink, Don't try to change your wife into blue. We're not designed to think blue or to think pink. But we are designed, by God's grace, to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. Which means you can listen and listen again and listen again until you understand the other person's viewpoint. It doesn't mean you're going to agree. It doesn't mean you're going to do it like that in future. But at least you'll understand where it's coming from. And for us... This makes the world's difference in any argument. If Andre just knows that I understand where he's coming from, and if I just know that he understands where I'm coming from and we respect that, it's all good. It's all of a sudden that whew, there's peace. But you need to find a way to get there. We often just pray together. <clears throat> we often just, even in the middle of, a, of an argument or something, okay, stop, let's pray. Stop. And I want to encourage the husbands to take the lead with this one. Okay? You are the king. You are the decision maker. Please take the lead when it comes to conflict management to say, okay, honey, let's just pray. Okay? Let's pray now because I can see that we're not going anywhere. Let's pray. And this has been our saving grace for so many things. We pray together. We say, I, I, no, I don't. I mean, even if you explain for more than an hour, I'm still not getting it, but let's pray. And all of a sudden, there's peace. All of a sudden, God comes in to the relationship, and he gives you, he literally gives you a supernatural ability to see the other ones, to, see, to get perspective. And to see the other one's side, and it brings peace. So please pray together. Please take authority over the devil. Ultimately, the devil is our enemy. Okay, Your spouse is not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. I know you feel often my spouse is the enemy. He's working towards me. He's got an agenda. She's controlling. I tell you, Sonica, you don't know my wife. She's controlling me. I'm, I, oh, I feel it. The devil is your enemy. Your wife is not your enemy. Your husband is not your enemy. That is also something you have to make up your mind about. She's good World. She is good world, your husband is good world, no matter how it seems, they are good world. So, you have to see the devil as your enemy, and you have to stick together. Amen? You have to fight this fight together, not against each other. You have to forgive, then you have to forgive, then you have to forgive again. Forgiveness, and what is the magic words in any kind of conflict? I am sorry. You see, my husband's well trained. <laughs> no, but he's actually really good with this. I mean, my son's also, my son thinks repentance makes everything right. <laughs> Mommy, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I tell you, it makes a lot right just to be able to say, I'm sorry, from the heart, to say, I am sorry, please forgive me. It's magic, it's magic words. So, okay, practice with me. I am sorry. Okay, again. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Okay, now a bit more passion. Okay. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Okay, good to go. Good to go. Then just the last one before I'm going to finish. Sometimes after an argument or a, a conflict stage... One party is fine. Either the husband or the wife is fine. The other one is still not fine. It often happens with me. I'm, a day later, I'm still depressed about the situation for some reason. Then it's my responsibility to go back to my husband to ask him, could we please pray again? Now, I'm always scared, to be honest, because I don't want to fight again. And this is why people don't always do this, because they don't actually want to fight again, because it was horrible yesterday and you don't want to go through it again but if you're still feeling depressed if you still feel unconnected or dis- disconnected to your spouse you actually have to, to speak again you have to pray again and often I just need one prayer again I just need another 10 minutes but I must have the boldness to go to him and say I need to I need to talk again and I never want to do it because he's going on with his life Ever, happily ever after, happy go lucky, and I'm still depressed, you know? So I feel like, oh, why can't I just get over myself? But if, if there's not complete peace, it's going to come up again in, a, in another conflict situation. So you have to go back to your spouse and say, please, can we pray again? That really helps me. Instead of just talking about it again, I ask him, can we pray again? Can we pray about it again? We take hands, we pray, and then we talk. And then mostly after that, I'm completely fine. It's dealt with. It's done. But I had to go back. I had to go back. We had to pray again. We had to talk again. We had to forgive again. So I just want to encourage you. I think this part of conflict management is often not part of it. The one part is okay. The other part is not okay. And you have to wrestle it through You have to wrestle it through until you come to a place of forgiveness. Until you feel connected again. I mean, this is very important. But you can do it. And the the good fruit coming from every time we, we had a conflict situation is so beautiful. And we're still building on a foundation of things that is dealt with. It's completely dealt with. So I just want to encourage you, talk about your finances. Treat your husband like the king. Deal with your wife with understanding. Let's, let's guard the spirit of marriage inside of us. And let's find a game plan to handle conflict because it will come. It will come. And let's deal with it in such a way that it's going to bear good fruit. Amen.